This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of, of Invest Talk. It is August 21st. I'm Steve Peasley, and I realize that many of you are regular Invest Talk listeners. I know that, and I want to thank you for that. And I hope you're telling your friends and family members about the show, Invest Talk, the radio program. And Invest Talk, the website, and investtalk.com as well. There is good, there's a lot of information, a lot of financial and investing know how published there, and you can get it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And speaking of universal access, you can also listen to the archive radio shows on our podcast page, or you can download them and listen in the car, the beach, or while you're working out, wherever you want to, any place. You know, it's really convenient that way. Saving money means you have more for investing in your future. It's one of the things that you'll see these kinds of things on our website. And here's an example of just how we could help you save money. At some point, everybody needs to borrow money, right? Maybe for a new car, education, mortgage loan is pretty typical. So how do you avoid predatory lending practices? How do you know if they're... It's pretty difficult. But I'm going to give you five key attributes, attributes of a lender that doesn't rip off people. And I'm going to have that coming up here next. Five things you could look for. And if they don't have these, then you might look elsewhere. Remember, they need you. You don't need them. That's how they make their living. Lenders need you. Now, before we get to that, your financial investment questions will drive today's agenda like it does every day. Here's a question that came in earlier on our 24-hour lister line, 888-99-CHART. How you doing, guys? I, I just want to appreciate you guys, everything you guys do, and uh, I love you guys' talk show. Um, I have a quick question. I just had a twin uh, boy and girl. I'm 26 years old. I have a little bit of money, about like five grand. I want to, what's the best thing I can do like in, that I can invest for them? Like uh, if I can buy bonds or some kind of, you know, mutual funds or something, what would you do? That's my question. Well, I'd probably open up a 529 program when you just have one, two twins, and congratulations, by the way. That's going to be a lot of, that's a good handful, but it's a great blessing. Anyways, uh, I would probably open up a 529 program. I don't know if I'd open up two, but i at least open up one. i put the $5,000 in a 529 program. You could open up two, but you don't have to. Um uh, and you can make one of the children the beneficiary. But remember, you can always change the beneficiary. So one year you could have it for one child, and next year you can spend the money on the other child. But you can also open up two 529 programs. And that way, this remember, 529 are college education programs. All the money you put in there is after taxes. You have to pay tax on it. But all the money it earns while it's in there is tax-free. So unless you don't want your child to go to college or you don't think they will or you've got some other plan, they're going to take over your business or something, I would look to a 529 program first. There's also a Uniform Gift of Minors Act that's called an UPMA that you can open up an account and you are the, you know, and they are the owners of the account and they get it when they're 18, but you control it all the way until they're 18. I'm not keen on that because I don't know if you want to give 
an 18-year-old a bunch of money to do whatever they want because that's what you're doing. So I, I would suggest the 529 program. That would be my first thought. Okay? Okay, do you trust your lender? Trust. Do you, do you know how to borrow money without being swindled or bamboozled or buried in such minutiae you don't even know what they're doing? Now, because that's true. It's uh, so much paperwork. But there's things you can look for. There's things. Some of the, the, some of the things that you can do. This is a story I found, by the way, at usatoday.com. And here are the common attributes of a lender that is not trying to take advantage of you. Okay? One of the things is clarity. Does the company drown you in financial jargon or does it explain things in plain English? A good lender spells out how to qualify, what the loan terms are, how the application process works, what happens if you run into trouble making payments. So clarity about the loan. Then transparency. All lenders have to disclose their annual percentage rates, right? All lenders do. Uh, so all they, they should have a page, a sum of interest and all fees on the loan. But that's required, all of it. But they should also go a step further and break down upfront charges, late fees, and the total cost of the loan in dollars, not percentages. How much money are you actually paying? What happens if you make a mistake and you make a late payment? What happens then? What are all the upfront charges? What are they for? A good lender also will think, talk to you about affordability of a loan. Okay? Because maybe you can't afford it. They're going to check your current debt and ask for your income to see whether you can afford to repay this loan. A good lender always, always, always make sure that you can afford to pay the loan. You know, and they don't loan you more than you need. They will not do that. A good lender will. A bad lender will lend you as much as they think you can get by with. And that's not necessarily a good idea. Trustworthiness. Uh, you know, are they reputable? Check them out on the various, you know, uh, Government sites, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or the Federal Trade Commission, see if they've had any dings against them, any fines or what. Always find that out. Uh, finally, a good lender also reports your payments to a credit bureau. All the major credit bureaus, in fact. Because you want to build credit, good credit. And that may give you cheaper loans in the future. So you make sure they do that too. Okay. So shop around before you sign the loan papers and don't panic. You can also get helpful advice. Maybe first you should make sure that your overall investing picture is in good shape before you start thinking about getting a loan. Just and I can help you evaluate that situation. And we can guide your decision for a best plan or a plan of action. We can. So send us a message through investtalk.com. Don't put this off, everybody. Don't. The lines are now open. And I am ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. So what's our featured talking points today? Uh, four things to know about backdoor Roth IRA conversions. Do you know what a backdoor Roth IRA conversion is? Well, I'm going to talk about that and what the four things you have to know about them. Congress has allowed people with high incomes a way to, find, to fund a Roth IRA that they didn't have before. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this. 
some of the other topics we're going to talk about. Hidden costs in home ownership. Maybe they're not all hidden, but many new home buyers, especially first-time buyers, don't know about these costs. And they don't take them in consideration. Most people just look at what the, what's the mortgage payment. Well, there's more to it than that. And the S&P 500 hit a new high, intraday high today. Intraday high. Remember, we have been in a correction since February. And the intraday high was hit by the S&P 500 today. Didn't close above the high, which is important. It's got to break above that. But we're really close. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And the U.S. debt. I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to keep talking about it because I think it's important. We have $21.21 trillion in debt. When I say we, I mean the U.S. government, our government. And we are our government, everybody. It's your debt. Who owns our debt? Who owns it? Now, how, you know, what, how, how, did that, how does that happen? Well, our government issues bonds, right? All those bonds they issue. That's debt. Who owns it? What's the breakdown? Do you have any clues? I'm going to give you some very interesting information on that, I think. I I felt it was interesting, so hopefully you'll find it interesting. The market was up today. It didn't end up as high as it was at intraday, but close. It's, uh, Dow was up 63. The NASDAQ up 6. And the, uh, I mean, the S&P was up 6. And the NASDAQ was up 38. 38. So the Dow and... The S&P have not closed a new high, but the NASDAQ has. Interesting days. Interesting. We're getting a, a summer rally from some summer doldrums, but really haven't had another correction, which surprised me so far. But we're not, that, we're not out of the danger zone yet. We're really not. You remember I mentioned, uh, was, it, was it last week or the week before, that the worst... The worst market days, one-day market days, the worst market days come in uh, September or October. The very worst one was October. And if you want to know, it was October, uh, it was 508 points down on the Dow, and it was October 19th, 1987. Five, that was, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> 20% one day. That's pretty painful. Pretty darn painful. Our Tuesday Invest Talk program is well underway thanks to your interest and participation. We are going into a short break, but our phone lines are open. I'm ready to answer your financial investment questions. 888-99-CHART. Summer's moving much too fast, but there is good news. Steve's here, the phone lines are open, and he's ready to answer your investment and finance questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Jake in New York. How you doing, Jake? You want to talk about YY Inc.? 
I do. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. How you doing? Thank you. Good. So I know YY has been uh, asked about a few times in the past couple weeks. Just wanted your updated opinion now that earnings came out. Uh, China's been on the up in terms of the Shanghai uh-huh. index. I just want to get right. your kind of right. refreshed opinion on the YY. Okay, uh, and for everybody else, China has kind of been China's market's been kind of in a bear market most of the year, and this is YY Inc. trade on the Nasdaq. It is uh, its headquarters is in China. It's a Chinese provider of online social communication platform offering real time voice, text, and video. Okay, so they make money. They make really good money, and they're growing very fast. Does that sound familiar? Like uh, one here in the United States? Yeah, yeah. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook grew really, really fast. It's only when, uh, uh, Jake, it's only when the growth slows down that these kinds of stocks really get hurt. So let's look at it and see what their growth is doing. Uh, last year, 2017, they made $6.71 a share. This year, they're going to make $7.35. That's 10% more. And next year, 20% more, $8.81. So let's look at the sales. Sales are very important. They have, in the last four quarters, it's been 49%, 56%, 57%, and 48% growth. So very steady, high growth. It's not accelerating, but it's not really falling much either. A little bit of fall in the most recent report, and that might be why you're seeing that weakness. Might be. Um, uh, That the traders are starting to get worried about growth. But the stock is very inexpensive. Jake. I mean, we're talking about uh, it's a $74 stock and it's going to make $8.88. That's 9, 8, 9 PE. That's its low. So I think I would see if this holds this low that's at $73.98. It looks like it found support here. And I might give it another week or two, but it is a good place to buy it. Okay? Why, why? Thanks, Jake. Appreciate the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and the phone lines are open and waiting for your finance and investment questions. 888 99 Chart. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. And remember that all the Invest Talk platforms, broadcast radio, live web streaming, website resources, and podcast replays are available free of charge. Tell your friends and family members, and you can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. The lines are open now, so call with your financial and investment questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay, so let's talk about backdoor Roth conversions. Conversions. A Roth. IRA versus a regular IRA. So what we're talking about is we're converting a regular IRA or part of a regular IRA to a Roth. But there's one, something called a backdoor conversions, conversion. What if you make too much money to actually put in a Roth IRA? Because there are limitations. Uh, they start at 120000 if you're a single taxpayer and 189000 So you can't put money in a Roth IRA if you make more than that. 180,000 if 189,000 if you're married and 120 if you're single. You can't put money in a Roth. But you can get around this by putting money, non-deductible contributions 
into your traditional IRA, non-deductible contributions. Usually an IRA is deductible contributions, but you can put non-deductible contributions in your IRA. Then you can convert that into a Roth IRA with a Roth conversion. And it doesn't necessarily have the limits that the IRA as far as income limits. Now, there was uh, some IR, IRS concerns about this issue, but the Congress recently said, yeah, this is all right. That's okay. Now, some of the some of the things you need to know to try to do this. You must be under age 70 and a half. Your income impacts your contribution. So there's still income limits, but they're not the same. They're, bit, they're higher. So uh, you have to have you know, of course, you have to have a salary or be self-employed. you got to have income. It can't be passive. It can't be passive income. It's got to be active income, earned income. Okay? There is pro rata rules. Pro rata rules. So you can see there's things that make it a little bit more complex, but your, your, your CPA, your accountant, should know these things. And remember, it's still a conversion, not a contribution. It's a conversion. That's important distinction there. And conversion from a regular IRA to a Roth. But what's good about this is if you want to contribute to your Roth IRA and you make too much money to do that, but don't make too much money to contribute to the regular IRA, uh, okay, you can convert that. Put put in a Roth IRA, convert it. Okay? But make sure you talk to your accountant your CPA, your guy, the person that knows about all these things. Not me. I'm not the expert. I'm, a, I'm an investor. I'm an investment investor manager. Let's go to Santos in Boston. How you doing, Santos? Hey, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Thank you for the call. So, uh, so uh, I have a question about uh, a micron unit. So uh, it has uh -huh. been uh, like very good earnings, uh, well, like under 10 or under 15 PE from like mm -hmm. few, like many months. Uh, but the stock is right. still going, uh, like keep on going down. Uh, so like other than PE, like what else uh, we should look in like when buying stocks? Well, Micron Technology is doing very, very fundamentally, meaning earnings and sales, doing very, very well. Yeah. Uh, I'm just reading some of the notes uh, on this. I, I think it's very, I still think it's cheap. Okay, Micron Technology, everybody, it's out of Boise, Idaho, believe it or not. Makes DRAM, nano, nor, uh, nano flash memory, image sensors, uses in uh, and, and computer services and consumer electronics, its earnings are going to be four dollars and ninety six cents. Let me rephrase. Yeah. Let me step back. It made four dollars and ninety six cents in two thousand seventeen, but in this year the estimate is to make eleven dollars and seventy seven cents. And the reason why it's probably getting a little weak is because the estimates for next year is eleven dollars and sixty cents. Remember, it's a forty nine dollars stock, so that's a five PE. But the concern is it's growing its sales, but earnings are starting to flatten out. And I think that's why you're seeing the weakness. However, I think this is a great buy at this point. 
at forty-six dollars a share. It fell at forty-six. It hit, hit a double bottom, and today and three days later, now it's forty-nine ninety-four. I think this is a place where you want to be a buyer. Return of equity is 37%, very strong. Uh, Sales still went up 40% last quarter. Quarter before that was 58. The quarter before that was 71. The quarter before that was 91%. So you can see sales are slowing, and that's why you see this. But sales are still growing 40%, and the stock base on next year's earnings is 5. I think this is a good buy. I do. So I wouldn't sell it, Santos. You already own it, right? Uh, yeah. Is there anything to do with the like China tariffs or the like trade talks for this stock? I can't be. I can't be sure of that. But you know, I don't know. But they're going to rebuy ten billion dollars worth of their own common stock. Remember, it's there. It's a fifty-eight billion dollar company. That's like twenty percent. You got to stick with it, Santos. You got it. Appreciate the call. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, overcoming all kinds of shocks. The SP 500 posted a gain of nearly 325% since 2009, March of 2009. Do you think I can do that again for the next, what, 10 years? Hmm. You're listening to Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Our Invest Talk podcast continues. One of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the balanced income portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, an independent financial advisor. If you are unclear about how best to allocate your workplace retirement account, such as a 401k, 403b, or a 457, you should look into KPP Financial's Active 401k service. Active 401k will help guide your allocations every quarter. And you can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. Would you like to speak with Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, so the S&P, the market was up today. The Dow was up 63, the S&P up 6, and the Nasdaq 38. And the S&P did make an intraday high, okay? Today it was at 2000, the high intraday during the day, 2,873.23, 2,873.23. The record set on January 26 was 2,872. So it's almost one full point intraday, but it didn't close there. The NASDAQ, the entire NASDAQ is still below uh, about a half a percent, and the Dow is still below its high about Three percent. So the Nasdaq isn't not there, and neither is the Dow. 
Okay. Um, these were the closings in you know February. Now, what may drive the market above and keep it going? Well, the Fed meetings are going to come out this week, and that could could drive the market up or down. And I think that comes out tomorrow. And on Friday, uh, Federal Chairman Powell will be giving a speech. And they may talk about interest rates. Interest rates are the thing that really have been, I think, keeping the market back most of this year. The threat of rising interest rates and then the actual increase of rates this year. And when we had that correction uh, in February, remember the peak was right there at the beginning of February or into January. Then we had that 10% correction and we've been fighting, fighting, fighting since March. It took most of the month of February to try to crawl our way back up. And it's been you know up and down, up and down. Now we're close to being at the top again. Okay, we'll see if we can hold it. We can see if it's breakthrough. I think we're going to break through, by the way, just so I make sure I have everybody's attention. I do believe we're going to break through. I'm just not so sure we're going to break through before, you know, November, December area. January, well, if January, then it's new, new for the new year. But break through the old highs and be sustainable. I don't know if we're there yet. We might break through, but it might have another pullback. Again, I'm worried about or nervous about. See, my problem is I know the history of the market. And I know the history is September and October can be, you know, pretty volatile. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that comfortable yet. I would love to see the elections behind us, uh, a, more, a clearer picture on future interest rates and inflation. And we'll know that in the next few months. And, you know... GDP for the third quarter to be in, that would be nice to see what that, it would be nice to see a little bit more evidence of what's going on in the economy. But we're, And we're going to have it. We'll, we'll get it. We will. Anyways. 888-99-CHART. Our anytime listener line is the investor, investor's friendly. You're, we, we think it's friendly to you anyways because you can ask any questions you want. You get answers. As long as they're financial. Here's one that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, uh, Ben from New York calling again. Love the podcast. I have a very basic general question that I hope you guys can help me with. I often hear it mentioned, even on this podcast, that the stock market will, over the long term, on average, return about 10% of one's investment. I know it's a loose kind of just a general Thing, but I do hear that quite often. My question is, when one is using that basic number, does it refer to any compounding? Or at what frequency is the compounding? Or does that just general kind of reference not even refer to any compounding? Just for a basic example, if one put $100,000 in, you know, does that mean in a year it'll be 110, and then you leave the 110 in, and in a year it'll be 10% on top of 110? Or does it merely mean if you put 100,000 in and come back in 10 years, you'll have 10% on top of that 100,000? Anyway, I hope I'm not trying to get too granular on just a general reference, but I thought a little clarity would be helpful. Thank you, guys. Bye. 10% annually, so it would be compounding. Compounding. 
Um, and that, it, I wish it was that simple, just 10% a year, 10%, 10%, 10%, but it's not. It doesn't work that way. And also something that very few people talk about, which is very important, it includes the dividends. It incl if you look back in history, it's really not 10%, uh, the price goes up 10%. The price goes up 7%, and the dividend is 3%. And sometimes the dividend is two and a half. Sometimes it's three and a half. You know, the dividend of the S&P 500 is not static. But when you go back and look, you're getting, it's more closer, it's closer than 9%, by the way, than 10. But when you look back, you, you know, over the last, I don't know, 100 years or so, you're looking at about a 10% annual return, 9, 10%. And that's compounded. That's every year. Okay, now think about that. If the market goes, uh, if the mar if you put in a hundred thousand dollars, and the market goes down fifty percent, like it did in two thousand eight and nine, uh, it goes down fifty percent. You have to make a hundred percent return just to get back to where you started. So it's extremely important you understand the math. You know, if you go down, that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm very concerned about drawdowns. Drawdowns concern me a lot because, you know, you can't, you don't want to be drawn down too much because it's so hard to make it up. So uh, be aware that, yeah, 10% a year, but if you happen to put market money in the market the year that it goes down, <laughs> it's going to take you years to make it back, usually. Now, in 2009, they made that all back in a year. One year. That was great. Also, unusual. Okay. I'm Steve Peasley. Justin and I do our very best to make every hour you spend with us valuable. You know, valuable to you. And, and education on investment strategy, goals, you name it. Uh, stocks, information. Our objective is to make it easier for you to, to get to your goals, your financial goals. So please take a moment to subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes. Uh, Spotify is there, you know, yeah, you can also use that, Google Play, you can, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, you can download it. Then listen, rate and review it. We want to hear the feedback, listen to it, rate it and review. Let us know. This helps everyone in the InvestTalk community. Now, what investing questions do you have? The InvestTalk phone numbers are open and waiting for your call, 888-99-CHART. Steve Peasley's August 29th Portfolio Review Appointments Calendar for San Jose is now filled. So thank you, InvestTalk listeners. However, if you are not able to meet with Steve in San Jose and you are serious about improving the efficiency, security, and performance of your portfolio, you are welcome to contact Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office. And of course, you can easily get a message to them through the Contact Us page at investtalk.com. InvestTalk Radio continues now, and remember that you can invite your friends to listen live weekdays in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time, or they can listen to InvestTalk Radio whenever they want from the podcast page at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. I'm calling about a question 
about Avalon Holdings, symbol AWX. My question isn't whether or not it's a good investment. What does it mean that it's a low float play? So I was looking at it and trying to figure out what was going on because there were no corporate news events or anything, and it rallied seven times in a week. And one of the news articles said that since there were no events, it was most likely just a low float play, and there were 1.8 million shares in float or something like that, and I have no idea what that means. I'll be listening in on the podcast for your answer. Thank you. Okay, Avalon Holdings Corporation. Um, it is a company out of Ohio. provides hazardous and non-hazardous waste brokerage management services, landfill management services. And what, this is stock you should stay away from, by the way, AWX. Low float means, when you hear the word float in discussing stocks, that means how many shares are out there to be bought and sold, floating around. People own it, and people selling it, buying it from the owners, selling it to somebody else. That's the float. And this company has 2.3 million shares in the float. It's only a $12 million company, a micro cap. And it doesn't make money. So you don't invest this, you don't invest in this kind of stock. This is not a good investment. It's a poor investment. This stock went from, I don't know, Two bucks, one dollar, one dollar to seventeen dollars, and now it's back to three dollars ninety-seven cents. I would not invest it because it doesn't make money. Sales are very erratic year over year, quarter over quarter, so it's just not something that you would really want to own. Low float means manipulation <clears throat> can easily take place. I mean, two million dollar, two million stocks in a float, and it's a four-dollar stock. I mean, you can you don't have to have a lot of money to push the stock up or down. So, therefore, you can't rely on the number. You do not want to get involved in this kind of stock. It's not an investment. It's a speculative gambling type of thing, especially when they don't make money. Okay? AWX. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay. Let's talk about U.S. debt. It's $21.21 trillion. It's been in the news recently because it, hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. I apologize for that. It uh, um, uh, went up by a trillion dollars in the last year. Okay, so but really the question I'm inter interested in talking about is who owns it? Who owns the debt? And I'm going to give you that. Remember, it's $21 trillion. Okay. $6.9 trillion of it, or 32%, is U.S. investors. $2.8 trillion is Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, that's 11%. And $5.7 trillion is the U.S. government. So it's kind of an incestuous relationship there. So we, we, meaning the U.S. government and us individual investors and pension plans and so on and so forth, we own 70% of our own debt. People in the United States, entities, individuals, companies, um, uh, government, we own 70% of our own debt. Not foreign investors come up to 
$2 trillion, which is 29% of our debt. So 29% of our debt is owned by foreign governments. The biggest owner is China with $1.1 trillion, 5.6%. Then Japan at $1 trillion, 4.9%. Then Brazil, $300 billion. Ireland, $300 billion. And then the UK of $274 billion. The UK used to be the biggest owner, by the way, not that many years ago. Switzerland owns $237 billion. Luxembourg, $220 billion. Don't ask me why Luxembourg owns so much. I don't know. And this one surprised me. The Cayman Islands owns $197 billion. Cayman Islands? Well, you realize there's nothing in Cayman Islands, but it is a tax haven for a lot of entities. So I'm wondering that's probably where it is. And Hong Kong, which is not included in the Chinese number, owns $196 billion. So 70%, the, the thing you need to take away, 70% of our debt is owned by us, our government debt, and then 30% is owned by foreigners. Let's go to Mike in Union City. How you doing, Mike? Uh, not too bad. Thanks for taking my call, Steve. What do you think about SYK, and does it have any upside anytime soon? Okay, SY or SWK? No, S-Y as in yellow, K, kilo. Okay. Okay, so that is uh, Stryker Corporation. Okay, develops orthopedic implants, surgical instruments, imaging systems, operating room, and emergency equipment. It's a very strong company with earnings of $7.25 estimated this year and then $7.94 next year, and that's up about 10 12% every year. The company's sales are increasing about 10% every quarter. Very strong, steady company. So they're going to make $7.94 next year, and the current P.E. is 24 It's $168 stock. So the problem is, is you're going to have to pay top dollar for this stock. You're not getting at any kind of discount, but it's a very strong company, very steady and strong, and it will remain so. Doesn't pay much of a dividend, 1.1. Okay? okay? So that's what you have to do. You're going to have to pay it if you want it. Appreciate the call. Well, we have just about 12 minutes remaining in today's program. Yes, today's show is almost over, but we've got time for at least one more question. So you can call now, 888-99-CHARGE. Invest Talk, overcoming all kinds of shocks. The S&P 500 has posted a gain of nearly 325% since 2009. Experts believe that the long-running bull market has room to run. That's tomorrow's topic. But now, Steve is here and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Mike from Tracy. Great show. Got a question in regards to Adiant, A-D- NT is the ticker symbol. It closed at 45.33 today. The high was 86.42, and the low looks like was uh, 44.81 or something. And it's a 4.4 billion dollar uh, market cap. Just was wondering um, if this is a good um, investment since it's dipped down uh, quite a bit 
looking forward to hearing the uh, information. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. It also had a really big volume day today, meaning the number of shares traded spiked probably four or five times normal. Uh, and that, that's, that's big. And the stock was kind of down 23 cents. This is Adiant PLC. It's from Ireland, manufactures full range of seating systems for passenger cars, commercial vehicles, and light trucks. So it's attached to the economic cycle of car sales. Okay. So it has fallen from $82, $85 a share all the way down to 42 so almost cut in half. Not almost, but cut in half uh, over since the beginning of the year. So it's had a hard time. So now the question is, is it, is it a good stock to buy at this price? Well, it made $9.35 last year, 2017. And it's easy to see why the stock was cut in half, because earnings were almost cut in half, down to $5.78 this year. Next year, it's going to spring back to $7.24. Based on $7.24 and a $45 stock, well, you can see that the P.E. is around 6. And the five-year range is 5 to 11. And return equity is very good at 21%. has a decent dividend at 2.4%. Management owns 1%. They have some debt, but nothing that they can't handle. Very strong cash flow at $12.81. The, the stock is very good. It's a good, solid company. So, and I, I, so your question is, is, is it, has it fallen to a point where now it becomes a bargain? I think it's getting very, very, this may have been the bottom at 42.50. It's at 45.56. So the last one, two, three, four, five days has, has gone up. I would wait another couple of weeks, though. But it is a very good price to buy this stock. Okay, but you gotta remember it's attached to the economic cycle. And as long as car sales do well, this company will do well. Four point four billion dollar company or four point two four point two billion dollar company, as you mentioned before. Solid, solid company. Okay, it never gets a high PE though. Highest P is 11. So, you know, it does have up, a good upside potential. And the risks, you know, the sales growth are doing pretty good. It's up 12% last quarter, 9% the quarter before that. Last year's sales growth was shrinking. ADNT. ADNT. Okay, hidden cost in home ownership. Now, most of us who've been around and have owned houses and have bought houses, we don't. These are not hidden costs anymore. We know all about them. But for new buyers, it is pretty. Uh, some of these things could be shocking. The median price home. Okay, costs. Co the cost to keep it going is about ninety-four hundred dollars a year. This is according to Zillow, by the way. And what does that $9,400 consist of? Property tax is the biggest thing. Utilities, homeowners insurance, those kinds of things are what they're talking about. Maintain. Most, many people have uh, HOA fees. And those th property tax, utilities, homeowner insurance alone represents about $6,300 of the $9,400. Remember, this is a median price according to Zillow. If you live in San Jose which I know some of you radio listeners do. Instead of 9400 it's 17000 Okay. <laughs> and we all know why property tax is very high because the properties are so expensive. 
So you're going to spend about 3000 a year just for maintenance, just to maintain the property. That's like cleaning and yard work and repairing appliances, that kind of stuff. Just maintenance. So make sure you factor those in when you're buying a home, everybody. The first, especially your first-time buyers, you don't. You need to factor that into the cost. Well, thanks to your participation, we have completed another informative InvestTalk program. Remember, if you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can do so on demand from the podcast page at InvestTalk.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley, and good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.